0: Pastor Lucas and musicians, thank you for your wonderful music ministry. Praise the Lord. A man and his wife and his mother-in-law went on a safari in Africa. Any of you have been on a safari in Africa? Some of you, I think, have been. Well, these three hired a guide. They hired a guide and set out into the jungle... One morning, the married couple awoke to find the mother missing. The mother was missing, mother-in-law. After a lengthy search, they found the woman in a clearing face to face with a huge lion. The terrified wife cried out to her husband and said, dear, dear, what should we do, what should we do? The husband replied, not a thing. The lion got himself into this mess. Let him get himself out of it. (laughs) I don't know if that really happened, but I love it. (laughs) Would you please turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2? Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, please. I want to welcome our radio listeners and internet listeners as we turn to God's Word. In the first 12 verses of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, we are told of how wise men from the East, sometimes called magi, went searching for the newborn baby Jesus to worship him. King Herod had told the wise men to go back to him, back to Herod, Uh, and tell him where Jesus could be found so that Herod himself could also go and worship Jesus. In reality, however, King Herod was afraid Jesus would grow up and take over as king from Herod. And so Herod was actually planning to kill baby Jesus. Verse 12 says, When it was time to leave, they, the wise men, returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to to return to Herod. So let's pick up the story now at verse 13, where it says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. That, by the way, is one one of the scripture passages from which our church name comes from, Church of the Nazarene. All right. Our theme today, my friends, is this. I wish for you God's blessings. From what we have just read, we can can discover a variety of blessings for this new year to come. We're just going to focus on a few of them in the time that we have. And the first blessing, the first blessing I want you to give attention to with me is this. The blessing of God's guidance. This truth uh, comes to my mind when I read verse 13. Why don't you read verse 13 in unison with me from the big screen. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with a child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. The Lord guided Joseph and Mary to go from Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, to Egypt for their safety. The Bible speaks of how the Lord wants to guide us. He was guiding Joseph and Mary at this stage in their journey. And throughout the Bible, God speaks of how he wants to guide you and me, each one of us. For instance, Psalm 23, verse 3, the latter part of it says, He, God, guides us along right paths. Uh, Psalm 32, verse 8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Isn't that good? Read it out loud with me because it's just powerful. Read it, read it, and think about it. Absorb the truth together. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Remember this verse in this new year to come as you're facing different uh, challenges, as you're facing different issues in your life. Think about Psalm 32, verse 8 I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Amen. In this new year, may you and I seek to begin with point A, for those of you making notes, seek God's guidance to live right, to live right. Galatians 5:16 says, "So I say, let the Holy Spirit Guide. let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Think about that verse. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. There's the story of the man who came down from the Carolina Mountains down in the States. A man came down from the Carolina Mountains one day. He was all dressed up and carrying his Bible. A friend saw him and asked, Elias, what's happening? Where are you going all dressed up like that? Where are you going so dressed up like that? Elias said this. He said, Well, I've been hearing about New Orleans. I hear, I hear there's a lot of free running liquor and a lot of gambling and a lot of real good naughty shows. The friend looked, looked him over and said, but Elias, uh, why are you carrying, why are you carrying your Bible under your arm? Elias answered, well, if it's as good, if it's as good as they say it is, I might stay over until Sunday. It's okay, it took Pastor Lisa a little bit of time to get it as well. Seek God's guidance to live right Monday through Sunday. So we need to ask ourselves, are we, are we living right not just for a few hours on Sunday. Are we living right Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, each day? Amen? Amen? That's what the Bible says. We want to need God's guidance to live right. May you and I also seek point B seek God's guidance in family matters. This year, some of you will most likely be getting married. Others of you are already married and you will have the joy of having a baby. Some of you have children who are transitioning into the teenage years or into the college and university years. Some of you might be considering buying a a new car or a new home as a family. Others of you are are wondering how to best help your aging parents. Uh, Then there are those who are facing the question, what is the right time to retire? Psalm 32, verse 8 says, I, the Lord, will guide you along the best pathway, the best pathway for your life. Think about it. Isn't it wonderful to know? Isn't it wonderful to know the Lord wants to guide us in family matters? Amen? May you and I also seek, point C here, God's guidance in financial matters, in financial matters. I believe with my whole heart, I believe with my whole heart that the most important decision, the most important decision I have ever made about financial matters was to begin to give tithes and offerings to the Lord starting with when I was a teenager, when I had a part-time job at Nob Hill Farms. God guides and instructs us to do this. In the Bible, in Malachi 3, verse 10, here's what it says. Let's, uh, let's read it in unison together. Some of you know this verse, all right? Malachi 3:10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and that's a person's local church these days, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. My friends, as a teenager, I started because of the the Bible teaching that I heard from my pastor and from my Sunday school teacher. As a teenager, I started to put this verse into practice, and I can honestly stand before you today, and I believe it is the most important financial decision I ever made, and in addition to that, it, it, it has been one of the greatest spiritual decisions I have ever made in my life, and there's another couple of verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 and 8, which we need to give attention to as well. Read them with me from the big screen as you see it there, Second Corinthians 9, 7, and 8. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Okay, read it again, read it again. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have enough, you'll have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, how can that be, Pastor Nick? All I can tell you is it's God's word and it's true. It's true, my friends. That's what I can tell you. And I wanna say to you, make it for your own benefit, for your own spiritual benefit, for your own financial benefit, make it your New Year's resolution, one of them, to begin to give tithes and offerings. A tithe is 10% of our income. An offering is anything above 10%, such as giving to Cuba Missions, giving to our regular World Evangelism Fund, giving to our mortgage fund, and other special offerings that we sometimes receive during the year. I say to you, for obedience to the Lord, for your spiritual and many other blessings, begin, begin to tithe and to present offerings. And a year from now, a year from now, I am certain you will come and say, thank you, Pastor Nick, for that teaching you gave on the last Sunday of the year of 2018. Amen? Amen. So after church today, after church, I want to encourage you to go to the table in the foyer All right? Go to the table in the foyer and pick up a box. When I say pick up, don't just pick it up. The person there has to record what number of box you're getting. And you can use that box of numbered envelopes to give your tithes and offerings throughout 2019. Now, there are many others of you who have already been tithing. You've been using the offering envelopes. And uh, if you haven't picked yours up as yet, please pick pick it up. Would you do that? All right? So, we've talked about what? The blessing of God's guidance. May you experience it in this new year to come. Let me take you to a second serious and major blessing here, and it is this. We read of it at the start of our scripture. It is... The blessing of God's protection. Verses 13 and 14 and the following clearly tell us that the angel of the Lord directed Joseph to flee to Egypt in order to protect baby Jesus from Herod, who had given an order for his soldiers to search for the child to kill him. My friends, may the Lord, may the Lord protect you and your loved ones, your family, in this new year ahead. May you experience the truth of Psalm 121. May you experience the truth of Psalm 121, verse 5 to 8, where we read, The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forevermore. And then if you were to turn to Psalm 116, verse 6, it says, The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and he saved me. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and he saved me. Jamie Hernandez is a dear brother in Christ who could very well speak this verse of 116, Psalm 116, verse 6. I was facing death, and he saved me. He went into hospital, as best as I recall, on the first weekend of September, the Labor Day weekend. And uh, the first day that he was there, the doctors said to his family, he was so sick, they said said, he is the sickest man in this hospital, and they said to his family, "He's he's not going to make it, he's not going to survive through the night. The next day, to the doctor's surprise, he was holding on. The next day, the second day, the doctors again said to the family, we're surprised he survived. He's not going to make it tonight. We just have to caution you and let you know. Well, after being in the hospital for nearly four months, after God hearing the prayers of many people from this church and from his church in the West End and no doubt from people in other churches and congregations. Jamie walked and I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was incredibly touched and surprised as I saw his very gradual progress over these weeks and months myself. And, um, and just last Friday, Jamie Hernandez walked out of the Brampton Civic Hospital. And he he is in worship here with us today. Brother Jamie, come my friend, come and just take take your time. He is regaining his energy, he is regaining his strength. And Jamie, if you want to sit in the chair here, uh, you feel free to sit and the the cameraman will place the camera on you so that folks in the balcony and everywhere can better see you. I'm just going to get the microphone for you. But, folks, I said to you, Psalm 116, verse 6 says, I was facing death, and he saved me. And I am sure that's what Jamie is thinking and feeling today. Amen? Amen.
1: Good afternoon. Church family, first of all, I'd like to thank everyone that prayed for me, those that came to visit me while I was in the hospital, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Nick, Brother Anthony, and Sonia Chansung, and I believe, oh yes, and Pastor uh, uh, Gerald Budu and Pastor Esther Budu. thank you very much, and God bless you all. See, in the long weekend of September, I passed out and I was brought to the hospital. Like what Pastor Nick was saying, the doctors told my children, he's not going to survive. Better call his friends and the rest of your family to say goodbye to him. I didn't know that this was happening because I was in a coma. And four weeks after, I... Was healed by the Lord and when I was alone I prayed and I said Lord you healed me because you have a plan for me I don't know what it is but whatever it is I am going to follow it no doubt I will do it please let me know what you want and it was very clear in the middle of the night I woke up and I heard a voice and it said, continue your late wife's mission to Cuba. This uh, trip to Cuba, I cannot make it because I'm still survive, uh, uh, trying to get uh, strong enough. But next year I will be with Pastor Bodo, uh to Cuba. I thank the Lord for everything, because he is the one who is in control. He healed me because I lo- he loves me, and he made me strong again. See, when I woke up from my coma, my left arm and my, my left leg was, were paralyzed. I couldn't move, I couldn't walk. But now, see. I'm strong enough. I lost 40 pounds, but I have gained six pounds. (laughs) Today, my children said, well, Dad, after uh, the services, uh, the rest of the family will meet at the Scarborough Town Center. And I said, Scarborough Town Center? I am going to order curry goat, my favorite. (laughs) Thank you so much, and God bless you.
0: (laughs) Amen, amen. Let's have his family stand. Family, why don't you stand, please? Uh, All right, give them a warm welcome. Bless you. Pastor Gerald, why don't you help our brother back to his seat? And I want to say thank you to Pastor Gerald and, and Esther Boudou for the great blessing that they were to Jamie while he was in hospital. Amen. Give him a hand, express our appreciation to Jamie, please. Okay, I was facing death, and he saved me. Psalm 145, 145, verse 20 says, The Lord protects all those, all those who worship him. The Apostle Paul testified about God's protection in his own life. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 26, verses 20 to 22. The Apostle says, "...I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins, and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do." It goes on and says, Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me, but God has protected me. God, he says, has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. Amen? My friends, I pray, and I am sure, Dr. Lisa, amen, And Pastor Lucas and our children's pastor, Pastor Bria, I am sure that all of us are praying for God's protection for you and for each member of your family in this new year to come. And I believe God is protecting and God will protect you and me. But I also believe that God wants a little help. He wants a little help from each of us in the following simple ways. Okay, are you sticking with me? All right, here we are. God can use a little help. A, A, stop and look both ways before crossing the street. Now, this is obviously very basic. However, however, in recent days, I have seen people walk across the street without checking to see if a car was coming and they were almost hit by a vehicle. I've almost hit a few people myself, except that fortunately I was very alert, and I was saying to myself, I wonder if this person is going to start to walk across and not even see that, that cars are coming. Okay? The Toronto Police Department says this year, this year, this was earlier in December, they said that 38 pedestrians have been killed in Toronto pedestrians, that's not motor vehicle accidents, that's just pedestrians, 38 pedestrians have been killed in Toronto and many more have been badly injured. And by the way, even when you go out, even when you go out the main front doors of our church, before you step onto that driveway and parking lot, please stop and look to your left and look to your right okay? Please don't, don't just drive, you know, don't just uh, walk, walk across, okay? Don't just walk across without checking to make sure that cars are stopped. And also, don't drive fast along our church driveway knowing that there are people walking across the driveway. Uh, usually after the morning service, I... Unless I'm up at the altar, which often is the case, praying with people, I like to be out at the front of the church just greeting all of you. And uh, sometimes, sometimes, you know, I see some of you kind of driving too quickly along that driveway, okay? And uh, one of these times, one of these times, if I see your car again, I might be tempted or Pastor Lisa may help, may, may have to uh, stop me from puncturing your tires. <laughs> In a Christian way, in a Christian way. Okay, thou shalt not speed in our driveway and in our parking lot. All right, here's another way you can help the Lord protect yourself and others. Point B, obey all traffic rules, signs, and lights. I know, some of you are thinking, Pastor Nick, I didn't come to church for a safety lesson. Listen, listen. The way I see things happening outdoors on the streets, everybody seems to need to be reminded, whether it's in schools or in church. I am I am frequently shocked to see how many people go through stop signs and red lights as if they were not there. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. All you have to do is just go. Go to Shepherd at Morningside there. Stand on the corner. Stand on the corner for about... Five minutes, and you'll be surprised how many people you see go through a red light. It's just terrible. Point C, use good common sense. Use good common sense. Now, the problem is, good common sense is not so common anymore, okay? <laughs> Pastor Boodoo, Pastor Esther, Pastor uh, Gerald, when you were growing up in... In Guyana, did they have a lot of common sense in those days? They did. Well, that's good. I don't know where it's gone. <laughs> All right. Um, for example, for example, a few a few uh, weeks ago, when we had our first significant snowfall of the winter, I think it was about 14 centimeters. Now you would have thought you would have thought that everyone would have slowed down on the streets and on the highways. You would have thought that common sense says that's what people would do. Well, I was driving. I was driveway, driving on Highway 401, and a few of us were going slower, but many other people were driving as if it were a bright and sunny day with no snow and no no. Um, No slush problems or anything of the sort. The Toronto Sun newspaper had a headline, and the headline said this, Toronto's first major snowfall leads leads to 500 crashes. Now using common sense, most of those crashes could have been prevented, okay? Most of you who know me well would hopefully you'd hopefully be able to say Pastor Nick has really good common sense and he uses it repeatedly. Uh, can, can you say that? At least, can you say that of me? Pastor Nick has really good common sense. My, my wife would probably, says, would probably say he has too good common sense. <laughs> but uh, I, I believe you could say that of me. I feel I have always had really good common sense but there have been a few times in my life, not many, not many, but there have been a few times when I have really been disappointed with myself. I wanted to slap myself, you know? Slap myself and say, what's the matter with you, boy? You know, why did you do something so dumb? Here, here's, here's an example. Here's an example. Some of, you, some of you get blessed when I tell you nasty or bad things about myself, okay? After I finished my Bachelor of Science degree at the University of Toronto. I went to Kansas City, Missouri to study at Nazarene Theological Seminary. That's the graduate school for the Church of the Nazarene for students preparing to become pastors. So I went there to work on the Master of Divinity degree, which was a three-year program, and then I stayed for an extra fourth year of further biblical studies. During my second or maybe it was the third year in Kansas City, I drove home, I drove home 18 hours from Kansas City to Toronto for Christmas, like some of our students have come home. A few days after Christmas, I had intended to leave Toronto at 8 a.m. in the morning and would have arrived in Kansas City around uh, 18 hours later, around 2 a.m. the next morning. Not too bad. However, On account of some unexpected delays, I was not able to leave Toronto at 8 a.m. Instead, I ended up leaving not until 6.15 p.m. 6.15 p.m., which meant I would be arriving, excuse me, I would be arriving in Kansas City just after noon time the next day. Now, there was little or no snow So the highways were clear, but it was bitterly cold with temperatures of at least minus 20 to minus 30 degrees. I was very awake and alert until around 3 a.m. in the morning after about nine hours of driving. By about 5 or 6 a.m., I was exhausted. How many of you ever become exhausted from driving? Any of you? A few honest people, okay. By about 5 or 6 a.m., I was exhausted, but I was determined to get to Kansas City by a certain time to be at my part-time job at a funeral home where I worked, where I got paid big bucks, $1.65 an hour. <laughs> by around 6 a.m., 6 a.m., I was playing the radio as loud as I could to help me stay awake. I was talking to myself. I was literally pinching myself, you know, pinching myself to stay awake. I was singing. I was shouting. I was just moving and grooving, just doing whatever I could. I was opening opening the, the car door to let the freezing cold come in to keep me awake. I was so desperate, I was, seriously, I was even looking, I was looking for a hitchhiker on the highway to pick up with the hope that the hitchhiker could drive my car while I slept for a few hours on the back seat. And you know, when you need a hitchhiker, you just can't find one. When you don't want a hitchhiker, they're all over the place. There was not a single hitchhiker Probably because the temperature outside was freezing minus 20 and minus 30 degrees. Uh, all I can say is I remember fighting sleep as I've never done so before or since then. I recall, I recall how with only about two to three hours more of driving left to, to get to Kansas City, I remember saying, Lord, Lord, oh. Oh, Lord, I'm so sleepy. How can I stay awake another two to three hours? Then I saw a big sign on my right flashing. Coffee, 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 coffee. I pulled over and I bought at least one, probably two or three or more coffees and donuts and then rushed back in the car. I plugged away and I made it safely to Kansas City and was even early for my job. Making that drive to Kansas City when I was so tired and sleepy was one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. Pastor Lisa, go ahead and say, that was dumb, Pastor Nick. Go ahead. That was really dumb. (laughs) I said you can say that was dumb. You, You didn't have to say that was really dumb. That's okay, that's true, that's true. That was worse than really dumb, okay? It was really dumb because I jeopardized my life and the lives of other people on the, the, the highway, other drivers, due to my fatigue and sleepiness, and sleepiness. You know, I, I should have, I should have phoned my colleague at the funeral home and said to him, Brother Jim, can you work my shift and I'll work one of your shifts because I'm gonna have a hard time getting back to Kansas City on time for my scheduled shift. I mean, that's what I should have done or called my manager or the owner of the funeral home and said, look, this and this has happened. Quite frankly, I did not use my good common sense. And besides that, my mother, dear mother, was worried about me driving all morning and all night and all evening in 20, minus 20, minus minus twenty, 30 degree weather. That wasn't right of me to have my mother worried like that, was it? That was dumb. That was dumb, Pastor Nick. Really dumb, as Pastor Lisa said. Now, over the years, I've had different people in our church tell me, that they were planning, that you were planning to drive all the way and all all day and all night to get to Florida, to get to Florida in 24, 26 hours. As some of you know, I have pleaded with you to not do that on account of my unwise 18-hour drive to Kansas City when I was in seminary. And I still say to any of you, don't drive through the night like that, all right? Now, just to show you... That I, that I learned a valuable lesson from the drive to Kansas City. A few years ago, my, my son-in-law and I were driving back from Detroit. We were driving back from Detroit, uh, which would normally be a five- to six-hour drive back to Toronto. We left Detroit at 8 p.m., but because of a snowstorm around 2 a.m. in the morning, it was very hard to see on Highway 401. We were near London, Ontario, which is only about a two-hour drive uh, away from Toronto, but with a snowstorm, snow, snow snowstorm, <laughs> 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 I estimated. I estimated the last the last two hours would take four to six hours to get home, and so guess what? I learned from my stupidity in that 18-hour drive to Kansas City. So around 2 a.m., I said to my son-in-law, I said, Yanni. The highway is too dangerous with a snowstorm and the darkness. I don't really want to spend $80 to $100 on a hotel, but it is the wisest thing to do. And I said, the next hotel we see, let's pull off, get some sleep, and hopefully by the morning the storm will be over and Highway 401 will be cleared and it will only take us two hours more to drive home. And that's what we did. That's what we did. Dear ones, all I'm saying... And the, the only reason I've told you some of these uh, dumb stories, well, this main dumb story, is because I'm hoping you will remember my own stupidity and say, you know what? I'm not going to do something dumb like Pastor Nick did. I'm going to learn from what happened with him, and I'm not going to do what he did. So all I'm saying is, for the protection and safety of yourself, uh, your family, and other people, Use the good common sense the Lord has given you in this new year. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so, I wish for you God's blessings. First of all, the blessing of God's guidance. Secondly, the blessing of God's protection. And the best way that you can be assured of God's guidance and God's blessing, God's protection, the best way is for you to put your life in the hands of the Lord and to say, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I repent of my sins. I believe Jesus, your son, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And I place my life in your hands, Lord, in your hands. And I want to know that my Today's and my tomorrows are going to be guided by you and protected by you as a child of God. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we see in the Bible how you guided Joseph and Mary. and We see how you protected them and we're thankful for the blessing of guidance and protection. The blessings. And I pray, oh God, in this new year that you would indeed give your guidance and your protection to your people. To our children, to our young people, to our college and university students, to our young adults, to our middle-aged adults, older adults, to everyone, oh God. We just pray, O oh Lord, For the blessings from the Lord, beginning with guidance and protection. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.